0: Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of Sunday voor maar 1 euro per stuk. En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals
1: zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Good afternoon. Welcome to a special Royal Blue podcast. Um, with me, Greg, Phil Kerk Bride, sports editor Dave Prentice. We just got back from Finch Farm where we watched some reports on Ronald Koeman's first Everton press conference as manager. Um, we're just going to take some time to talk through our impressions of him and uh, what we made it all, really. Dave, he was pretty much as we expected. He was—he uh, didn't hang around for too long, but he got to the point, didn't he?
0: No, he wasn't. He was, uh, he was business-like, I think is the best way to describe him, but also very, very ambitious in what he was saying. Uh, it's a long time since I've heard an Everson manager come in and declare quite bluntly how he wants to take Everson back to the top, I suppose, you know, to the kind of club that Everton was, gosh, maybe like, you know, 25 years yeah. ago. Uh, I know uh, the previous manager, uh, Bill Kenwright, made a point of saying that Roberto Martinez had promised him Champions League football yeah. in, in his first sentence. Uh, I don't think Ronald Koeman was quite that bold, um, but some of the things he said, you know, he said, it's all about winning football matches. We need to win a yeah. lot more football matches. And it was a phrase that stuck with me. Uh, where he met, mentioned that he'd already bumped into lots of Evertonians uh, on holiday in Portugal who told him what a big football club he was joining. Yeah. And he's aware of that. He knows the club's history and their heritage. You know, he's, he's been around long enough to know all about that. But he actually said, um, yes, uh, they want to see Everton back at the top again. Uh, not fourth or fifth or sixth, but where we'd like to be, suggesting that you know Europa League football is just the minimum kind of ambition he's showing at the moment. He wants to see Everton higher than that. He'd be saying things like that because he'd have been told by Farhad Mashiri that he's got funds to, you know, to to fund that kind of a uh, you know project, if you like. And equally, he's got enough self confidence in his ability to believe he can get there. Yeah. So it was it was quite you know reassuring. I mean, it's easy for you know talk is cheap. It's easy for managers to make bold predictions and say what they're going to do, but you get the impression there's a really quiet. Calmness and a real assurance yeah. about him. He believes in, uh, in his abilities and his talents. So it was. It was. Uh, it was quite a you know a reassuring, quite an exciting you know press conference to be, I think, you know, for Evertonians certainly.
1: Phil, he didn't sort of ooze charisma or exude warmth, or you know he wasn't cracking jokes and backslapping, But I think as Preno says, you know there was a an assuredness about him, wasn't there, a confidence that I suppose, given a player his lofty achievements in the game. And his less lofty but impressive so far managerial CV. It just something struck as, as the the right the right tone because we've had a man previously used to you know, kind of gild the lily a lot and you know prone to hyperbole. I'm not just here to to slag off the the previous manager, but. It, you know, what was your take on, on how we came across? Yeah, well,
2: inevitably, you're going to compare the two, aren't you? That's, that's, it was you know, only three years ago when we look, had Martin. Well, yeah, open well, it's and an present. occupational hazard. So you are and we are inevitably having to compare the two. It was just, what struck me was just how relaxed he was because this, nothing's going to phase Ronald Koeman, is it, in that respect? You know, yeah. a, a room full of journalists and TV cameras is not going to, you know, not his beat is not going to pick up is it a beat at all, you know, his heartbeat. It's like no, nah, it's it's all in his stride, you know, he's speaking very relaxed manner, very confident, because he's confident about himself. You know, you, you could you could just you could just tell, you know, I glanced a couple of times across the press room and the way that everybody was just it's never in the palm of their hands, but it was that kind of respect and his stature and reputation just makes people listen and he doesn't need to be you know, doling out Wild and, and and mad predictions and, and and getting people's hopes up beyond what's possible. He, you know he's very he's very assured of himself and his team and you know. Can he, but he was he was stressing that he, he only is in the door and needs to speak to people. He wasn't making any promises about the squad and players and who he might want to bring in and who he might want to get rid of. He, he's very obviously very keen to pick the brains of the people mm-hmm. who remain at Everton. And as we've said, you know. David Unsworth and Duncan Ferguson were two people. That he gave big mentions, I do yeah, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think that's, you know, savvy, but also you know, savvy from a sort of PR perspective, but savvy from a, a footballing perspective. You know, he talked again about looking at the young players, and we all know what we've got there in the academy, so obviously you're going to tap into mm-hmm. Uns' knowledge. And yeah. and obviously, Duncan is the only remaining senior coach, if you like, who was part of the previous yeah. regime, so he will be able to give honest and <laughs> a frank assessment of where he thinks it, it will have gone wrong. So, He'll take his time. He's taking his stride. I just thought, you know, this is this is just this is just standard procedure for Cuma, of somebody of his stature. But this is what we've been crying out for. We didn't, you know, he wasn't one extreme where uh, you know caught in the headlights and, and saying stuff just to please everybody. There was no need for sound bites, wasn't? Yeah. What, what did you make
0: of it, Greg? because you've seen a few now? You know, <laughs> yeah. Around. Well,
1: yeah. Um, I actually thought what was refreshing was that he he actually answered the question. And yeah. He didn't take ages to go around the house for me. I mean, I've not reported on as many managers as you have, but with Moise I felt sometimes he was almost too blunt, and it was hard. You had to infer the sort of background to things he was saying, and it was a bit difficult. And that was left him prone to misinterpretation. With Roberto Martínez, the opposite. He'd say so much, almost like a politician. Yeah. The message was lost, and often because he didn't really want to answer the question, so he would reply to your question with hundreds of words, take up minutes and minutes on your dictaphone or voice recorder and actually he wouldn't even respond to the question you'd asked at all. It was classic politician speak. And hopefully whereas we're talking about Cumin between Moyes and Martinez being the perfect halfway house in terms of tactics, I'd like to hope he'll be like that with in terms of answering questions. You know, he's gonna tell you he's gonna give you his answer, whether you like it or not. And he's not gonna go all the way around the houses to get there. It's early days, isn't it? And listen we'll probably have our Bumps in the road with him as well, and all managers so far that you know I've I've reported on don't like it when basically the heat's on and, and you say something that upsets them. And I suppose it is a high pressure job. And the local paper, the Echo, you know, I like to think still got a massive part in, in this city, and and uh, people do refer to it as a something that when we say things, it's it's meaningful. And I think the way Marti, Martinez got upset sometimes and Moyes did reflects that. And so we'll probably fall out with him, but. I'd like to (laughs) invariably. um, Probably later rather than sooner. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I've got the impression that he's going to be straight into the point, and that's quite heartening.
0: He he actually mentioned uh, that very point because obviously we had to split up our our resources. I was doing the Sunday, what they call the Sunday breakout, which is a press comment specifically for Sunday papers, which I was sat in for the Sunday Echo. And without giving too many of the lines away (laughs) before the other Sunday papers are published, one of the uh, stories he was asked about was you know, about, um, you know, was he a tough taskmaster? Was he disciplinarian? And uh, he laughed and he says, you know, so now I'm a nice guy with the media. He says, I'm different in the dressing room. <laughs> uh, but he actually said that he intends to tell things as they are. And he says that if things are dreadful or, you know, poor, he'll say so. And you get that impression that that's the case. I mean, he's achieved yeah. so much in his career as a player that he doesn't need uh, to you know, hide behind things. You know, he's yeah. got enough confidence in his own ability to say things as they are. So you get the impression he's going to be quite brutally honest, to be honest. Which yeah. is, which you get the
2: impression, I know, you know Michael Ball touched on this in his column, uh, which we put up last night, you read in today's paper, was that the Dutch as a, a football nation, I like her, aren't they? They're yeah. all very confident in their abilities to manage and play. And when it doesn't go right, they are brutally honest, that's and that's why they, always why they all have meltdowns yeah, in the European what, <laughs> That's why they all fall out with each other because yeah. they tell it like it is. Yeah. But from an Everton perspective, we've got one Dutchman, and he's he's in charge. And if he's going to tell it like, like it is, then all the more for it, I say, because yeah. we've come out of a period where we weren't entirely yeah. honest if if we knew what was what was real and what wasn't. I, I always remember when uh, that
0: European Cup Winners' Cup tie in '95, when um, Everton finished with ten men, Craig Short was sent off after a major bust up with Kuman it was a gruesome tackle that Kuhn threw in on him and short he reacted and was sent off. And the English press who were speaking to Kuman afterwards were a little bit, you know, irritated that you know he'd effectively got a, an Englishman sent off and we trying to take him to task over it. And he just shrugged, he goes, Another English team's out of Europe. Game over. <laughs> just walked away. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's not bothered. Nothing's going to face yeah. him. He will be quite, you know, quite just frank. Just I think Christian. that might
2: help though in terms of this thing that I know I've written about it a couple of times, and you probably you two probably have as well. What I felt we were missing in the past three seasons, you know, and again we're not here to just have a go, Roberto, because he brought a lot of good things to the club. But I never felt there was a, ever a siege mentality at Everton when it was going wrong. I never felt that there was a, you know, Mourinho's the master of. Yeah. of of just battening down the hatches yeah. and making it it's them against us it's them again. I never ever felt that Everton had that and maybe Koeman's the man to bring that maybe he won't accept you know other managers maybe having a little pop or anything like that or, or whatever he won't accept that an, an average performance is acceptable and maybe it'll help engender and, and create the kind of I'll say fear factor because it's a bit of an overused kind of yeah. phrase isn't it but you know what I mean that kind of no we'll do it our way and I don't care if I upset people along the way.
1: Well, maybe I'm being wildly optimistic here. You know, For the record, I'm not drunk. But <laughs> it's <laughs> it, June. Be wildly optimistic. <laughs> is he, I was just thinking then, have we ever had a manager with a star studded at the CV as his? And obviously, Howard Kendall achieved a lot in football, was a superlative player. But I don't think we've had the European no. Cup winners, any of his ilk, You know, former Barcelona superstars. Exactly. So my hope is that he leads the squad um in that mentality, and he begins to change Everton's, and Martinez did to an extent, but the one bugbear for me that he, he didn't do, and, and to be fair, he's not alone, is to go to places like Anfield, specifically, mm-hmm. and go in there and be be more relaxed and representative of, the, of our form running up to the game, and just take a winning mentality to places like that, the Emirates, go there, and like Rick Prenner alluded to, fourth, fifth, sixth isn't really acceptable, and neither does, an impressive draw where you get a certain pass completion ratio, or where you create more chances. You mentioned winning a lot, and that's for me what has to be his legacy. He needs to create a winning team, and that's including games like, well, the Derby at Goodison for that matter well, as well, because we stunk what, that out. Yeah. What's,
2: what's, what's hopeful on that front, then, Greg, is the fact that it's not till December, so that's plenty of time for Cooman's Everton to have bedded in, mm-hmm. and for us to be in his image, if you like. So, and then obviously the Emirates is the last game of the season, isn't it? Yeah. So, <laughs>
0: I think what was quite notable as well, you know, and aside, that Bill Kenwright uh, was the, the chairman yeah. uh, to you know, introduce the new manager, but no sign of Farhad yeah. uh, you know, The new owner, you'd imagine, has come in. You know, why does he want to you know, take charge of a football club if he's going to operate very, very quietly behind the scenes? And I think you mentioned it earlier, Greg, you know, Ramon Abramovich never gives uh, interviews. Oh, yeah. And you get the impression that Farhad Mashiri is going to be a similar kind of character, clearly massively influential yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah. But not really interested in putting a public face on that and letting people
1: know what he thinks. We we wondered, didn't we, like had he come into it because he wanted to be in the spotlight and he was clearly frustrated at not having the uh, the level of influence at Arsenal that maybe wanted. Uh, So he sold his shares then and he's come to us. Thankfully, Uh, I think it's as you say pretty clear now. He's not in it to get his face on the telly or in the papers and and to be a high profile owner. Um, I think he's probably in it for the buzz of being the main man Mm. now. The main man to your Sky Sports, your Echo readers, your, your newspaper readers, your consumers, your fans might be the guy who they see pictured next to Cummins in the press conference. You know, in this case, it's still Bill Canwright, the chairman. But in terms of the spheres that uh, Mousieur might mix in and world football, everyone's going to know that he's the man at Everton. He's he's the man who who's, who makes it tick. He's the man with with the purse the strings, and uh, maybe that's what he wants. He wants to be the man who guides. And the people keep calling it a project, don't they? Yeah. It's, it's our club, but you know it requires Everton forward, and maybe that's uh, what you get his buzz from. Because clearly Abramovich must get a buzz from in Chelsea uh, without ever doing any press publicity. Everything. Maybe when you get to that level of wealth, not that Machiri sadly is quite in that bracket. Maybe you uh, you know you don't really care if you do stuff in front of uh, the media. There was one uh, mm. sort of, of his men, if you like, Phil, wasn't
2: there? You have to tell me with the pronunciation again, then. This is uh,
1: very loose. My <laughs> Russian, rusty. Um, Rise Antsev, Alexander. Yes, Ryazanstev. he was
2: proud. I don't, you, I don't know if you could see him on on camera because he was just just sat to the left of Bill. So he was there. and He is Machiris' appointment on the board, isn't he? And you know, so so in that respect, Farhad wasn't there, but his man was. You know, so by proxy, if you He's like. represented. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think I think Alexander, from what we can gather, has taken a very key role. He's up and down from London. He's London base. He's at Finch Farm quite often. So. Um, no, so Fahad was there, if you like, in 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 uh, through Alexander, who is his his man on the board, as we understand it.
1: Well, another thing which I I hope is the case is that when he was asked about Stones and Lukaku, he said that you you don't sell your best players, which he's going to say obviously, yeah. and we don't want to. Essentially, you, you know, if you want to be a, a big progressive club, you can't really sell them. But I think maybe part of the legacy of where we've been in the last couple of seasons is that we're, we'll see we may not be in a position to hold on to them. And I hope there's bluntness and directness because he, he basically said, I will speak to them yeah. and we'll see what they want to do. We don't want to lose them. But I get the impression, if they come to me and say, well, look, I really want to go, I hope he won't waste much time. If he thinks they're not the going to play for him or the club, to, yeah. they'll say, right, we're getting the best offer for you. You're out. Exactly. I and mean, You'll get about finding the, the right replacement. It was also
0: interesting as well, asked about the Southampton players and you get a little smirk, and you get the impression that there are a number of players with yeah. fancies there. Yeah. And he, he didn't rule it out, but equally says, maybe it's best if I don't make any more fights with Southampton today. You get the impression that there's a couple of players there that he does like the look of, that he might be you know yeah. thinking of bringing in the near future. Again, you know, bluntness and forthrightness, I think we're going to see a lot more of that.
2: Yeah, I, as you, I agree, because in that respect, another manager, not just, not just saying Roberto, any other manager could have... Neatly sidestepped that question because they knew they're in front of Sky Sports TV, in front of everybody, and then they had to I choose. was expecting them to. Yeah, they had to choose yeah. their words carefully. But no. Ronald, no, you asking me an answer?
1: Interesting. I think that hints that, despite what we've read in, in some quarters, that there isn't a contractual clause no. not to go back Southampton players. Uh, I always suspect that wouldn't be the case to be honest, because it's very difficult to enforce that. But just
2: sound uh, the minute he might sheepishly pick up the phone and say, let's read. Yeah, it's Ronald here. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I think it, it, was, it was a really kind of illuminating hour or so, wasn't it? Uh, Robert selston was buzzing around behind the scenes as well. I uh, don't know if, if, for people who don't know, the other chap on the front of the, of the press conference was Brian Dugan, the director of communications who's been there a couple of seasons now. He was uh, sat to... Ronald's right, depends on which way you're looking at it. And um, now I thought, overall, yeah, really po- positive, promising first press conference. And we're open to have you know, good access to him, aren't we? Into... And an
0: absolutely rammed press room. Roberto was held at Goodison Park in a much bigger lounge. Yeah. That was a Finch farm. I don't know what the rationale was behind that, but it was a very, shall we say, cosy room in there. But again, it underlines the stature of the man that so many... Newspapers, television stations, radio stations—you know—we're in there to witness it. Dutch, Should, journalists as well, Dutch journalists, Dutch journalists, because let's not forget the European Championships are on at the moment, and uh, a couple of the guys actually came back from the European Championships to cover the press conference. I mean, Tony, Tony Barrett, one of our uh, old friends from here, the Echo, yeah. uh, turned up literally a minute before it started with his bag straight from the airport. Because uh, the Times had dispatched him, you know, from watching Northern Ireland, which he's been doing, to go and report on Everton's new manager arriving. Yeah. So again, you know, just a, a, a slight sign of the the news value of having a guy yeah. uh, as you know significant as
1: Ronald Koeman taking charge. The, exactly. The Times could have sent a freelancer, but again, you get the impression yeah. they've gone to their main man Tony. You need to be here for this. Yeah. Exactly. And therefore got him back. But it was funny when he was coming out, Koeman sort of paused in the foyer, didn't he, of Finch Farm? to kind of look up at the telly and check the score in Sweden-Italy game, yeah. which made me laugh. Proper football man type thing. And uh, we saw um, Sue Palmer, who's Everton's kind of... I suppose you'd call her managerial secretary now because you used to refer to her as Moyes' secretary than Roberto. And I think she's just... Uh, I think she makes the club tick P- him anyway. PA P- the she, phrase. PA. <laughs> sorry, PA. But uh, uh, interesting to see her. And she, she will know about, no doubt be getting to know Ronald well. No, she's been part manager runs.
0: for a long time. So, yeah, she's... Yeah. Uh, part of the cog that makes the uh, machine work there
1: Yeah, so no really interesting and uh, hopefully plenty more to come we'll, uh, we'll have more parts of our interview various interviews with Ronald over the weekend and um, hopefully we'll get to sit down with him and get more of a picture of what makes him tick thanks for listening